It's time for your NBA fix. This is the Big Show Daily Assist. Featuring all the latest news and insight on the association. Now joining the Big Show. Senior NBA writer for Sports Illustrated, Chris Mannix. On 97.5, 1280, The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Chris, Chris, when the cats are away, the mice will play. So welcome to the mouse nest. How are you? <laughs> What's going on, man? We're excited to talk with you uh, without the burden of Jake and Gordon this week. I want to start right here. You and Howard uh, met or had on your uh, crossover podcast the guy who's in charge of all the strategy connected to the scheduling, the playing tournament, a hot button topic right now. What was your conversation with him like on your podcast? Did this stuff come up? Uh, oh, yeah, that was actually Howard's version of it. He did that interview himself. But oh, gotcha. I listened to it, and he did it with Evan Wash, who is uh, one of the scheduling czars. Um, it, this topic came up in a roundabout way in a discussion of how tanking has been significantly cut back on this year. You've got 24 teams that are mathematically in the playoff race right now. And really only, quite frankly, one team that's just brazenly tanking at the moment, and that's Oklahoma City. Now, the reason that's a roundabout way of talking about this is that there's a reason 24 teams are in the playoff mix because of the play-in tournament. Because if you get into that 10 spot, you give yourself a chance to play yourself into the playoffs. And that's something I think the league remains uh, very excited about, no matter what public comments come out there. I asked uh, one of our earlier guests today because uh, LeBron brought up the the play-in and said whoever came up with that ought to be fired. And he wasn't talking about this when his team wasn't uh, going towards uh, having to be in the play-in tournament. So I get get why he's upset. But I asked who's more important to his team's championship hopes, Donovan Mitchell being healthy or LeBron James being healthy? Which one would you go with? Oh, I mean, God, it's six and one, half dozen the other. I mean, neither (laughs) team wins without the, that respective player, um, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I wouldn't put any money on either team getting out of the first round without uh, that player. They're that important. I would probably say Mitchell is a little bit more important because actually, you know, the Lakers could be competitive in the first round if Davis is healthy, if Dennis Schroeder is healthy and playing. I mean, there's, there's some pathways there. Without Mitchell, uh, and, you know, you've, you guys have seen Clarkson who – I think a lot of people probably thought was going to be a reasonable facsimile for Mitchell coming in. Hasn't really been that guy uh, since he's been out with that injury. So I'd probably say Mitchell is a little bit more important, but neither team is going anywhere. And, you know, to the, to the point about the play-in game, like we've heard two teams gripe about it. They have been the Lakers and LeBron and Dallas and Luka Doncic. Mm. And both those teams are in the mix or at that time we're in the mix for the playing game as the number seven seed. That's the big issue here. Like, I don't think these teams, if they were in the eight spot, would be as against this. I think the fact that the seven seed is involved in this is irking some players in and around that spot. But I don't hear anybody on San Antonio or Golden State complaining <laughs> about the playing game. I don't hear anybody on Washington or Indiana or Charlotte complaining about the play-in. I mean – you know, it's it's very subjective, and you know it's clear LeBron has some skin in the game with this uh, this uh, uh, gripe, and it's going to make for some great for some great television. 
Yeah, I mean, I mean, look, the I, I think the play like I was saying to somebody earlier, like I, I don't watch a lot of the baseball playoffs. What I, I sure watch every year is that their version of the play-in, where they do that one game uh, playoff, the wild card game. Um, that's fun, and it's early fun. Like you know, mm-hmm. we we get to the finals or the conference finals. You know, we know that's compelling television. But the first and second round of the playoffs, oftentimes they can be boring. Uh, this brings a level of excitement uh, to the first round of the postseason that we haven't seen before. And as I said earlier, like the fact that so many teams are in this mix, that makes the regular season more compelling. I mean, that, that makes these games that we're watching, you know, featuring the Wizards and the Pacers and other teams, uh, actually meaningful games. I mean, look, put it this way. If the Wizards didn't have the play-in tournament, you think they'd be playing as hard as they are right now? You yeah, think no. we wouldn't see Bradley Beal shut down or, you know, somebody else shut down? I mean, that's just, you know, they, they have an outside shot of getting into the playoffs and they're taking advantage of it. And that's why I think not only is the play-in tournament good now, I think some version of it will be around for a very long time. And so th- those nines and tens love it. Oh, yeah, the sevens and eights are like, ah. What modif- yeah, Nines and tens love it. Like 11 and 12 probably love it. You know, teams that like, it this there's probably half a dozen teams in both conferences that that think it's it's valuable. I just, uh, you know, the, the 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 positives just far outweigh the negative when it comes to the playing. What kind of uh, modifications do you think will happen to the playoff stuff next year? I, I don't think seven will be involved ever again, and that might you know codify some of the the, the people having issues uh, there. Um, I, I think uh, I, I think you'll see eight and nine involved in a play-in much like it was last year in the playoffs. And I do think there might even be a stipulation that the nine seed has to be within, say, three games of yeah. the eight seed. I don't think the NBA wants a scenario where the eight seed is seven games up on the nine seed. And, you know, just because the eight seed has a bad, has one injury or mild injury, uh, they get knocked out of the playoffs. That, that's not what the NBA is trying to do. They're not trying to, to water down the regular season and to minimize the value of the regular season. But if they're a couple of games between eight and nine, why not have a play-in game to – to decide who, who gets to go to the playoffs. There was a time not too long ago that I was saying the Portland Trailblazers might be a big, big problem in the playoffs, and it was right after the trade for uh, for uh, Powell that I, that I said this, and then they kind of faded for a bit. But I saw you tweeting about the road trip recently for the Portland Trailblazers. You feel like they are coming back around to life. Well, they're 4-0 on this trip going into the game tonight against Atlanta. They beat some good teams. They've had a touch of luck along the way. The Pacers were banged up. The Nets uh, were without Kevin Durant. So they, they you know, they, they took the schedule as it was. But, I mean, this is a team before this six-game road trip started that looked like they were dead in the water. I mean, they were just getting hammered uh, on their home floor. I think Memphis beat them two games in a row in Portland before the road trip starts. And, you know, whatever happened on this trip, and look, sometimes going on the road can galvanize a team. It can bring them together and make them realize that it's us against the world in, in situations like this. And that appears to be uh, some of what it's done uh, for Portland. Uh, you can see Damian Lillard starting to move a little bit better. His injury issues have been an ongoing problem for Portland. Uh, C.J. McCollum played great against Boston last night. Uh, I, you know, look, I, I'm not ready to buy stock in the Blazers as a potential first-round you know, playoff upset at this point, but uh, they are certainly showing more signs of life than I thought of maybe a week ago. So, of those three teams that are still stuck at that thirty-six and twenty-eight, the Dallas, Dallas, LA, and Portland, which team would you want to face in the playoffs? Uh, I mean, probably Portland. 
but it's a coin flip really between Portland and Dallas. Nobody wants to play the Lakers. Like no, no matter what yeah. they're they're doing now, nobody wants to touch the Lakers. I mean, I, I think both Dallas and Portland um, have their strengths and weaknesses. Dallas, obviously, the Doncic Porzingis combination is excellent. The backcourt in Portland, I probably lean towards Portland because their defense is just atrocious. Um, they, they don't defend anybody, and that, that's that's been part of their problem all season long. So I don't see that improving dramatically by the time the the playoffs rolled around. But you know, you go up against Portland, you got to you know brace yourself for Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum going for fifty plus uh, between them, and, and and watch out for that. So uh, I, I think that both those teams have have certain strengths. I'll challenge you just a little. You say no one wants to play the Lakers, regardless of what they're doing now. If LeBron is this LeBron, if it's this injured LeBron, does that change it at all, though? Well, I mean, if he's injured, yes. But, like, you know, betting against LeBron is like anticipating Charlie Brown to kick the football. Like, it doesn't <laughs> it, it doesn't work. Like, I mean, I've done it, like, for years. When he was in the Eastern Conference, I was like, all right, yeah, but this is Boston's year, and Atlanta's deep, and Milwaukee's deep. Like, every year we bet against LeBron doing something great, and he goes out and does something great. What is the definition of insanity? What, doing the same thing over and over again and expecting the same result? Like, maybe we should stop betting against LeBron James uh, in the playoffs. Now, there are obvious warning signs here. I mean, the the ankle injury, uh, the longest stretch he sat out for an injury in his career, that's new. Uh, Him saying that he's uh, never going to be 100% again, that's new. Uh, Dennis Schroeder, who I I cannot believe, like, (laughs) Uh, this, this is a separate conversation, but with the vaccine available right now, I mean, the, a guy going out for 14 days in, oh. in the COVID protocols, that's just, that, that's, I don't know what the word is for that, but it's its too bad for sure. Uh, but losing him is a backbreaker. I mean, it, they were 0-4 when Schroeder was out uh, back in February, March, uh, and losing him for that long and then potentially have to reintegrate him. I mean, look, you know, Utah's been, been like, you know, Utah, as much as any team in the league, has been as diligent about the COVID protocols uh, as any team. They, they have been great. They have, they have, I mean, part of Quinn Snyder's mantra, you guys have heard this, like attack, attack, the, uh, attack COVID basically. Like let's attack this and let's make sure we are as protected as any team in the league. But got teams that are affected by it. I mean, I, you see Jason Tatum in Boston, Evan Fournier said something yesterday. Like, you know, if you catch COVID, like uh, sometimes there are long-term effects and you're still dealing with stuff and, I don't know when Dennis Schroeder is going to be right again. Will he? He's out for ten to fourteen days. Will be out even longer. And if he is, that's a body blow for the mm-hmm. Lakers. So I, I think that you know, you know, obviously there are some variables here with the Lakers that we, we need to account for. But I'm just I'm done betting against LeBron. I'm, I'm done <laughs> thinking he can't do something because every time I think that he goes and does it. Do you um, do you anticipate some creative scheduling and creative play by those top four teams to try and avoid the Lakers? I mean, maybe in the last couple of games, I don't know what the upside is now. I mean, I read some stuff after the Jazz Suns game, like was Utah throwing that game? I, I don't know if I uh, – that, that to me doesn't – I don't know what the, what that's all about. Like that, It's just too early for that. I mean, mm-hmm. you mentioned the teams that are bunched together, four, five, or five, six, and seven. Like, yeah, that can change in a week. You know, you could have, you know, the Clippers drop down. I mean – Oh, probably not the Clippers. Yeah, but you can, so those, you can last the, uh, so those last couple of games of the year you worry about when you can really try yeah, and I mean, maybe I, I piece that last, together. Yeah, I think the last couple of games you could see some <laughs> some creative lineups from teams. You could see some some benchings and, and things like that designed to to take a loss. I just think it's too early to do that now. You just don't know. I mean, the Lakers could fall to, to six, and then you want to be the number one seed because you would avoid the Lakers yep. potentially until the conference finals. So I think that, that to me is a bit of a stretch that, that teams should be – 
jockeying for position right now. So who do you think ends up with the one seed? I mean, I think it was the strength of schedule. I was looking at my favorite website, tankathon.com, which <laughs> always, always gives the strength of schedule. And that's always what I kind of look for uh, early on. Um, I, I probably lean towards Utah. I think their schedule is a little bit easier from yeah. what I remember. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when they get Mitchell back, they'll, be, they'll, they'll, they'll take a jump on that, that count. So it might be close, and it might be one game. We might be looking back at that game the other day that that was a difference maker but right now i lean towards utah gave the number one seed that's important like screw screw everything else like it doesn't you know don't, don't worry about you know where you face the lakers right now or whether it's the second round or the the i mean you don't want to play in the first round if they wind up as like the eighth seed or the, even the second seed or the seventh seed you want to stay far far away from them there but second round third round big deal you're gonna have to face them eventually you might as well face them when you can yeah the fascinating thing is i looked at that website today as well uh chris and they've got phoenix and utah tied today for strength of schedule left yeah but phoenix has that tiebreaker having beaten the jazz twice so. and, f- and 538 has the jazz beaten phoenix by one uh-huh okay interesting hey uh no, Luka- we know polls are never wrong <laughs> never <laughs> and never boring uh, either luka Doncic uh is a technical away from suspension he says i'm not going to get another one plan on uh, i won't get another one what is the chris mannix Odds that Luka Doncic gets to the playoffs without a one-game suspension. I think, I think he's he's got a decent chance of getting that suspension. He's really going to have to buckle down. You know, <laughs> I know Mark Mark Cuban took exception to I think it was Zach Lowe that said it first that that Luka complains a lot. He does. He, he complains a lot. And you know when when you do that as often as he does, and he's not alone in this. I mean, I, I could name a half a dozen players off the top of my head that are just constant gripers um, when it comes to foul calls. But when you do that so often, you lose the benefit of the doubt with referees. I mean, you, if you just, if you that demonstrative and you start using hand, like hand motions of the automatic technical, you're always going to get one. If you, if you wave your hand at a referee, but even if you're just talking and, and yelling and, and coming down the other floor, the referee is going to call something. So I, I, I just based on history this season, I think he's going to get that, <laughs> That, that technical, and then we may see Luka Doncic suspended for a game. Hmm. Uh, finally, Chris, I want to ask you, the Jazz and winning the Western Conference Finals, focusing on just the Jazz, mm-hmm. given, let's say that we've given them perfect health to start the playoffs. What is the one thing standing between Utah and a Western Conference Finals uh, appearance in the NBA Finals, I should say? You know, we even go back down the rabbit hole of Ken Donovan Mitchell – succeed in a big role um who is going to be that secondary scorer uh, those are all key variables to me like i'm watching what clarkson's doing and you know he's opened up the sixth man of the year race by not playing that well like i mean he, he if it's jordan clarkson we saw in the first half of the season where he looked like a runaway winner for sixth man uh that's going to be important because you know when the jazz go to the bench he is the bench i mean i know joe ingles is is having a great season uh, but when it comes to like individual scoring, like Clarkson's the guy that creates shots, and they need him to be uh, efficient. They need him to be a, a, a potent scorer. And right now, I, I don't know. I mean, I'm just I'm just sort of speculating at this point. But like he he looks kind of like, he looks like a step slow, sluggish. Something's going on with him out there that he's not been the same player that I watched in December, January, and February. And they need that guy in the playoffs. If that guy shows up. I think the Jazz have a great chance of getting to the finals with all the other things included. Uh, but if Clarkson is kind of this version of himself and, and, and you're not getting the A-level guy that we saw in the first half of the season, uh, that, that's going to be something they're going to have to that, – that's going to be a hole they're going to have to fill. And 
And internally, I don't know if they have the horses to do it. So going off that same comment with the shooting of Clarkson and how important that is, do you, with the Jazz obviously having one of the best three-point shooting years ever, do you worry about bad shooting nights for the Jazz in the playoffs, or do you think their defense can overcome it? No, you, you worry about bad shooting nights because, I mean, I, I, I talked to a bunch of players in the last month, and it's pretty clear they don't give a damn when in the shot clock they shoot. Like, they're just going to keep throwing them up there as early and often as possible. It's just part of their game plan. And, yeah, in the playoffs, possessions become more valuable. There's, that's, there's a history of that. And if you wind up having a, a night where you're shooting, you know, 43-pointers and you're doing it at a sub-30% rate, that's put a lot of pressure on your defense. It's a big-time problem. So, yeah, it's – you know, their defense is excellent. Rudy Gobert is, in my mind, the defensive player of the year and, and certainly – as, as someone in the Jazz organization told me, a, a walking top 10 defense. Uh, but there's only so much he, you know, he can take if you're always kind of de- defending in transition and, and not able to, to set your defense on, in the half court. Uh, you've got to shoot a, a reasonably high percentage to have all those threes uh, become effective. Golden State was able to do it uh, for so many years because they had a lot of effective three-point shooters led by Curry and by Klay Thompson. Then Durant comes on board. You've got to be efficient if you're Utah and you want to be this three-point bombing team. Quick uh, correction and retraction before we let you go, Chris. Uh, I was looking at the Tankathon draft lottery (laughs) rankings. Ah. The Jazz do have a a much easier schedule left than the Phoenix Suns. So don't go on another show and say, oh, they're tied. (laughs) So that was wrong. (laughs) <laughs> you're, you're, oh, no, no problem. I was, I was not going to repeat your information. <laughs> That's always That's, a good idea. Yeah, that, make sure you double check Austin always. Um, question is, has major implications for the Jazz in the offseason as far as their financial picture. Do you think this injury costs Mitchell an All NBA spot? Oh, good question. Um, I don't know. Probably, probably. I would have to say. And I was having this conversation with someone that knows Mitchell recently not about like the financial aspect of it but you know where does he belong in the all nba list and this was pre-injury at the time i said to this person i was like look i I think donovan mitchell is top five mvp if he's top five mvp then he's got to be first team all nba now obviously he's out of the mvp equation with the time he's missed uh with injury uh but is he out of the all nba first second or third team i I don't know it's going to be really close Mm -hmm. like you can make a list right now of six guys you'd probably put ahead of him. Um, is that hold up to the end of the season? I mean, how long is Mitchell out? I mean, honestly, these last, what is it, nine, eight, nine games that are left mm-hmm. in the year, uh, if he, how many he plays in, how well he plays, I mean, that could really go a long way towards, and how will the team play? Like, if the Jazz get the number one seed and Mitchell close the season strong, that's going to be a, a push in his direction. If they, you know, scuffle and finish behind Phoenix and closer to Denver and, and, uh, and to the Clippers, um, you know that's not going to work out well for him either. But yeah, it, it's it's going to be tough. It's as deep as they get at the All NBA at the guard spot uh, for All NBA spots. But I mean, look, everybody else's injuries too. Like James Harden was another guy who looked like an MVP lock, you know, a month ago, and or at least yep. an MVP front runner a month ago. And now he's you know out of the lineup for as long as he's been. And I'm not sure where I put him in the All NBA spot because he has to own you know the complete nonsense that happened the first two weeks in Utah or in uh, Houston rather. So I I think it's going to be really interesting to see how these votes are made and how they line up because there's a lot of guys that have can make strong cases for all NBA spots. He's Chris Mannix from Sports Illustrated with us every Monday. Find him on Twitter at SI Chris Mannix. Check out his podcasting and, and his writing as well. Chris, we'll do it again next week. You got it, guys. There we go, Chris Mannix. Now, Jeff, I've asked myself, I've asked PK, and I've asked Chris one thing standing between the Jazz and it all. 
uh, with a given health, one thing standing between the Jazz and all, where what would your answer be? I think it's the Jazz being the Jazz. Uh-huh. I think if the Jazz, when we, they saw them go 20-1 and one in the middle of the season and they had that rhythm on offense, they're unbeatable. If, they, if they're playing that basketball game, they can hold it off in the playoffs, I don't see anybody beating them because they were playing so well as a team. They had the talent, and they were playing as a team, and with that defense behind it, you're not losing. How do you? Th- what do you think it takes to get that? Is it ending the season on a nice little winning streak what, and feeling bouncy? I think it's important to get Mitchell and Conley back with, I, I mean, I think three, at least three, three, four games I think they need to get. I, yeah. I don't mind the three games starting with Portland, but they need to have that rhythm back come playoff time. And you're also going to have a, you also got to imagine you're going to have a four or five day break. Yeah, yep, for right? sure. There's yeah. going to be a four or five day break with all those playing games happening. So, I mean, I think they're going to beat themselves, but the other thing is there's just so many good teams in the NBA. It's crazy. It's just crazy. I mean, you look at one through eight, one through ten in the Western Conference, and I don't want to want to play any of them. You can make an argument. <laughs> a, you wouldn't want to play any all of them. Yes, Every one yes. of those teams, you can make an argument that maybe not, not to Mem- win at all, but maybe to... not Memphis. Well, I don't think Memphis could get to the conference finals. I think they're the only one of the ten that I, I mean, as a avoid them in the first round. Yeah, team. yeah. but you can make them. an argument. You can definitely make an argument on that, and. I don't know. Getting Golden State in the first round, that would be a scary matchup. No I don't psyche. like it. Yeah. I don't like it. Because Curry can get hot, and when Curry gets hot, it's tough. Yeah, and uh, Don, uh, Rudy Gobert, as great as he is at defense, when you've got him stretched out on Steph yeah. Curry, advantage Curry. Although, as, as I keep telling one of my buddies from California who lives in Golden State area and is a huge Golden State fan, there's not a lot around Curry. I'm not a big Wiggins fan. I'm not a big Ubre fan. <laughs> and You know you don't like Draymond Green. Well, that's a given. (laughs) Neither do the referees. (laughs) This water's wet. (laughs) Coming up next, we'll uh, take a break from the NBA chat and get into some NFL draft coverage with Josh Edwards of CBSSports.com. Don't forget, we've got some jazz tickets to give away for tonight's game. We'll be doing that very shortly right here on The Big Show.